Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Welcome to episode 460 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Is 460 a move in like skateboarding or something? You know, you got like the 360, you got the 720, 460 is like a full spin and just like a twist or something. I think it is. I think it's a drink with a lemon twist and there mm. you go. You're good to go. It has lime in it. Mm-hmm. I've never been on a skateboard in my life, so I have no idea. I get nervous when I see other people on skateboards. It makes parts of my body like hurt when I see them. It's like, ugh, it's going to happen. I know it. Mm-hmm. You kids on your board of skate. I could barely walk on flat feet. Let's put wheels underneath me. Oh. Let's see how that works out. Mm, add ice and I'm a happy man. That's the way I look at it. So coming off a big week this week, Joe. You know what you know what, what occurred this week? Um hmm, I know what's occurring next week. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is San Diego Comic Con. And they did dribble some news out beforehand, but they had a ton of news at actual San Diego Comic Con, which actually blew me away. So pretty much it's going to be all San Diego Comic Con stuff in the news section. Also, we have uh, other con news, free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was Batman 75 and Immortal Hulk, I'm old enough to drink 21. What we're looking forward to next week. Also, I have a t- uh, art attack this week and full spoiler, full talk of Swamp Thing. And what was the other show? My brain just shut down, Joe. Krypton. Uh, Krypton. I, I don't know why I screwed up there, but Krypton, or as they call it, Crap Town. To right. I did not know or at least remember uh, my good friend Ryan, who's convalescing listener to the show. Uh, he had a injury, I think. He's laid up. But he reminded me that Krypton is from the poor way that Marlon Brando said it in the Superman movies. Marlon Brando never said anything wrong in his life. Mm-hmm. I could have been a contender. Didn't he write his lines on like people and other actors and stuff so he didn't have to memorize scripts? All I know is at one point when somebody was was doing Superman, there was a rumor that Donner said he came in and they said, we're going to warn you. He's going to try to get out of it. And he's going to come in and say something like, oh, just fill the donut. Because they don't know what Jor-El looks like. <laughs> just, it's like and, and he'll do something crazy like that. And I don't know what it was, but his whole thing was, can I just record it separately? And Brando was crazy. But he was crazy for a long time. Yes. Oh, yes. He didn't just develop crazy. He right. you know, he was born with it. There's that documentary about that island of Dr. Moreau that he was in. Mm-hmm. That's on Netflix that I've been meaning to watch. Right. That kind of goes into the height of the craziness of not only him, but also like Val Kilmer. Oh, Val Kilmer was never crazy. He was Batman and, and Tombstone guy. On, oh, The Undertaker. Yes. Oh, different Tombstone guy. Right. So let's get into some of the news. Now, there was a little bit of news that did come out before San Diego. 
And I almost thought about not talking about this, because on last week's show, you kind of uh, acquiesced to me, saying that I'm done, this thing's never coming out, it's a fool's errand, the October solicitations for DC are out, and there's nary a mention of this book, but we've, we've wrote it out this long, Todd. Right. Todd, I remember it was just a year ago when I was going on vacation. <laughs> right. And I read I read issue seven of this on my vacation. And here we are, a year later, and issue eleven is delayed yet again uh to the first week of September. Any day now, Joe. With no solicitation or even advanced solicitation. Because the October solicitations had a bunch of advanced November solicitations. Um I'm not changing my bet. But I, the confidence on this is dwindling. We we talked this week on After Dark about the whole, uh, you know, if you're an Academy Award winner, every bad movie you make, they should take a piece of your Oscar away from you. Right. And if you do enough bad movies, you're not an Academy Award winner. I think this might be the last bite on uh, Doomsday Clock for me. What? You're not gonna. You're not. You're not gonna beat this into the ground. Oh my God! Well, I hate when people do that. That's the worst thing a person can do with a joke. So. <laughs> well, we're gonna bring it up. No, you know, I, it has to be discussed. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I know it's it's done now. It's as far as I'm concerned. I said last week, and I know you know we're all having a, a good time here, a merry jest, if you will. But yeah, it's there's no way it can come out by November. Uh, and finish up as we were talking. I don't even know if 11 will come out by November at the rate it's going. Right. Now, I know we've discussed this before on the show, and remind me, do they just keep pushing it back, or does it get to a point that they eventually say, we're resoliciting this? No, they just keep pushing it back. Okay. Because Doomsday Clock, I mean, if it was another book, they would probably resolicit, so they wouldn't have to... Uh, to, to, I don't know, certain things, but this one is, it's going to sell. The people want their orders as, as even though it's late as can be, that book's, you know, still sells back issues. And when it comes out, it'll do gangbusters. It will. Right. So some of the other DC stuff uh, announced both at and around uh, San Diego Comic-Con, as they said that with the forthcoming Legion book, uh, coming in November, not the prequel, the Legion Millennium book in September, October, but the actual launch of the actual Legion book in November. They're going to have the little plastic rings for everyone. Now, I already have a little Legion plastic ring. But not this one. Right, not this one. This one is like more gold with yellow and white. And I, I hope that this one is going to be more so like this new Falutin logo that they have for it. Well, this is a redesign. I guess they did redesign the ring in the book, so they have to have a redesigned ring for, to to give out. And you know, that's that's one of DC's you know go to moves is create something with a ring so we can put it out with the books. I I I was sold on all the Green Lantern rings when they put them out the different cores. I'm trying to think the Flash ring they put out when they did Flash was it Rebirth? Yes. They did that, so they had that, and I'm trying to, now you have a Legion ring. I don't know many more that you can do. The other one that I like that they do is DC has the 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 masks that come with the, the hardcovers. You had the Deathstroke one, you had the Joker flesh face one for the Snyder Joker story. There's a Harley Quinn one. Um, 
So yeah, DC seems to to put out, and Marvel can't get out Infinity Gems, Joe. Right, and remember they were supposed to do something with Secret Wars, the Nick Spencer, whatever it was a couple years back, and like they right. talked about it and they just never came out. Yep, and I still tweet that out every once in a while. I want to know where they are. I wanted those. The last thing that they did was the eyeballs for Original Sin. Yes, there wasn't a Cosmic Cube after that, was there? Or was that before? Because wasn't there a Cosmic Cube with... It was around the same time. I forget which came first, the cube or the eye. What what came first, the cube or the eye? Um, I, I don't know. I want to say what, there was nothing with the... Uh, with the Hydra cap when that ended, right? That no. wasn't the cube again. Maybe they just gave out the cube again. They had like they had like a box sitting around the office or something. <laughs> they had a surplus of cubes laying around. Mm-hmm. Yes. But uh, yeah, well, it seems like DC's getting behind a push for Legion, man, you know? Mm-hmm. Bendis is involved. Uh, Jim Lee is doing covers for maybe two issues or something. Right. That won't last long. Right. That's why I said maybe like two covers. Yeah. But are you a Legion guy at all? Or I always I think we've give discussed Legion this. a try. I always want to give Legion the chance uh, every time that they relaunch it. And as long as it has like a known creator, like Abnett Landing around, it'll give it a try. Mark Wade is on it, I'll give it a try. If it's somebody that I'm unfamiliar with, eh, you know, I'm kind of, I'll give it a pass, you know? Gotcha. I'm I'm torn on, on Legion. Like, I don't, I, I, I'm at a point where I'm almost like Legion's time has faded and gone because it's been in the shadows so much. I worry for Legion. I don't know. There's like a thousand things in my mind that Legion has against it um, with the, with the youth of today, if you will, you know what I mean? So hopefully Bendis will be able to punch it up for the kids. I, if anyone can, he's their new golden boy. He hasn't taken over Batman yet, and if this delays him from getting on Batman, I guess more power to them. Right. Give, now give we talk to, about... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, just give it to Mark Russell, and there you go. Right. You know, um, he give, does it to the up, give it to the up-and-comer and let him make the name on Legion, as opposed to giving it to the tested, tried-and-true creator who's not going to... like. He might give you like that first big hit on issues one and two, but maybe he doesn't have the same reader retention that he used to. There you go. Uh, now, DC, of course, uh, continuing to discuss a lot of um, what got moved around for Black Label, right? Mm-hmm. There's a couple things that are coming out um, in the October solicitations. We talked about it a week or two ago, that Jeff Lemire... Um, Joker miniseries. Yep, and question one. Right. The question one's not, I think, not till November, but this Jeff Lemire, it's a three issue, like prestige style thing, so it's gonna be like larger like uh Batman Damned was, I guess. Right. Uh but they said I guess at the DC retailer summit at San Diego, uh they were saying that there are certain books that they did put out specifically the Batman year one that just recently came out. Um, If they could do it again, it wouldn't be black label. They would do it under the normal DC universe thing because really outside of the much discussed bat dong, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a few swears in it that very easily could have been edited out or just like made asterisks or symbols or whatever it was. 
And, you know, obviously that book had some buzz to it, but I guess the difference between black label slash mature readers versus all ages, if you will, for a Superman book is making more of a difference on sales than they'd initially thought. I can imagine. And and I honestly, as we've discussed, I honestly don't think they know what a black label book is. Right. Like, it's just, it's just, oh, let's, black label means hip. That's the only thing that, that I can think that the, the, the upper ups can wrap their head around the three, the three levels of books, like all ages, you know, reg or kids regular to all ages. And then the adult line, the adult lines for hip. I don't know. I, I'm still trying to figure out black labels. So. Right. Well, another thing we'll have to figure out if it's going to be under the DC imprint, the black label imprint, or maybe one of the last things to be under the vertigo imprint. Uh, DC did announce that they're going to be doing an entire one full omnibus of Garth Ennis's entire John Constantine Hellblazer Hellblazer run. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I bring that up is um, it appears to be a little bit larger than your average omnibus. It appears to be about, and you know Omnibuy a little bit more than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we looking at here? 30, 40, like let's say 45 issues? Right. Uh, is that typically what an Omnibus would be? I think so. I mean, well, it can be in there because I look at uh, something like the Justice League one is all the trades that they put out. So yeah, it could be, it could be around there. Mm-hmm. Um, they have different sizes, so I'm not really sure what the range on an omnibus that they would have. They're like, it has to be between the, these amount of pages, but that sounds about right. Right. The only reason I bring that up is because I don't think this is coming out. You don't think this one's coming out? Nope. I think there's one that's going to disappear. Ah. <sighs> I don't know. I'm, I'm afraid to bet on anything anymore. But if 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 any of them, this is one of those that has clout as far as I'm concerned. So I think there's a better chance than average for this one coming out. That That's the only way I can look at it. Right. So I'm just updating the list of things that I have uh, in my... Uh, list of stuff to follow up on. You know, we've we've crossed the War of the Realms thing off the list. We have a circle and question mark about the Adam Hughes thing, the aforementioned Doomsday Clock, and just as a reminder from about a month ago, we had discussed both that J.J. Abrams Spider-Man book mm-hmm. that um, it's supposed to be coming out in November. I think I had said that that's not going to get finished. Okay. Uh, we also had that Vertigo will be back within three years, and I think that's probably going to be a little bit closer. I think they were talking at San Diego uh, that even though the Vertigo line and even the Mad imprint are going away, that they are going to look into ways to bring those imprints back somewhere down the line. When Neil cashes that big check and does another Sad Man story. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to add the... Uh, hellblazer thing here saying it's solicited to come out in uh in april of uh 2020 okay and i say that doesn't come out i say it does come out okay just to be contrarian so i don't know it has all the extra stuff of those that last the second run that he did the 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 few issues i don't know i think it's a every ennis fan's gonna want that right 
I have all the single issues. I have the single. Well, I had the single issues. That was one of those double dipped ones where I had the single issues and then the trades mm-hmm. went out of print for a while and they came back into print. Right. Oh, and just as a follow up as well, um, when we talked about the Jeff Lemire uh, Joker and question books and hopes that that'll mean that the question books will come back into print, the trades, right. the first two go for a lot of money. Right. The other four go for like, eh, you know, a normal trade paperback price. Well, then they might still have copies laying around on Amazon and stuff like that. You might even still be able to get them through DC for all I know. Right. But I went on after we discussed because you just can't put like the DC, the question trades. You have to like put in the titles of the trades. Right. Yeah. And I know like the first one, like you could buy a used copy on Amazon for $350. Well, there you go. I'll give mine uh I'd say mint, you know, I wouldn't say near, uh, let's say near mint. Mm -hmm. I'll give you my near mint copy for 200 bucks. That is such a nice gesture by you. Right. Right. That was very nice of me to do. Now, uh, I know Marvel had some announcements for their comic books, (laughs) and I know there's one in particular that you were excited about. Yes. The the new Doctor Doom. Well, I don't know if they've ever had a Doctor Doom book. They had Doom twenty ninety nine, but Doctor Doom's getting his own ongoing uh, book uh, about him being, I guess, on the run uh, because they think he's a terrorist. But uh, I, I'm not. I'm I'm really happy that Doctor Doom is getting a book. I will buy a Doctor Doom book. But I'm kind of in this in the the description. It sounds like like Doctor Doom has lost Latveria, and I'm like, didn't he just get it back like eight issues ago in Fantastic Four? Well, and see, that's the thing. It says that he lost Latveria, mm-hmm. and then it says that it's going to be continuing out of um what's currently going on in Dan Slott's Fantastic Four book. Oh, okay. Now, Doom has had many series as is in one shots before, but never an ongoing. As a straight Doctor Doom book, no, not that I know of. Right, he, he did. He did have for a while Marvel's supervillain team up that was him and Namor, and then uh, occasionally somebody else. But a book as Doctor Doom, more than four or six issues of a mini, no. Right, so my two concerns about this book, of course, would be, uh, one, the writer of the mm-hmm. book, uh, Christopher Cant- uh, Cantwell, who I don't think is a comic book writer. He is a uh, TV guy. I think he did write a comic series, but I know he's more of a TV guy. And I have a feeling, just call it a hunch, if you will, that this uh, being advertised as an ongoing series is... <laughs> not going to be uh an ongoing uh it might be maxi series perhaps are you saying a stealth miniseries uh yeah i gotcha i'm interested uh like i said i'm all joking aside it's doom I, but i am i'm wary of the writer who i don't know right but the i'm o- willing to give it the only other chance. credit that he has sorry to interrupt is a um dark horse book entitled she can fly mm-hmm and uh, be wary out there when doing your searches, uh, because he shares the exact same name as a um, recently profiled on Vice TV uh, neo-Nazi uh, person. Ooh. So, uh, you know, be careful with your DuckDuckGo searches. Yep. Don't get confused like I almost did. Yep. Poor, we don't want another Mark Russell situation on our hands. That's right. This is slightly different, though. <laughs> well, they spell their names exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, are you ending up trying this book at least? Um, let's get no. closer to the release of the book and we'll talk. That's a no. I don't I, have the same. I like that cover. I think uh, Salvador LaRocca is a good artist. I know a lot of people don't like his stuff. I think I do like his stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you're saying, whereas it talks about him. Uh, you know what? I'll say this. For the good of this show, I'll at least give first issue a try. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. Getting on the doom train. Doom, doom. It doesn't even say toot, toot, the horn on the doom train. It's doom, Mm -hmm. doom. I like a train with a big, like, like the the maximum overdrive truck, but a Dr. Doom train with a big metal mask on the front. The cow catcher doom's metal visage. Oh, do kids know what a cow catcher is these days? I don't think so. I think kids barely know what cows are these days, to be honest. I don't think they've seen a train. Mm Mm-hmm. Couple other big announcements. Uh, you know, obviously no creative team announced on this um, officially, but it does say that the next big thing coming after whatever's going on in the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff uh, is Annihilation is coming back. Right. It would assume to be Donny Cates, but it's not officially announced as Donny Cates. I don't think he said it's definitely him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that the cover of the book is going to be done by Ariel Olivetti. That's going to look beautiful. Yes. Um, but hey, I'd like the Marvel cosmic stuff. It was this Annihilation stuff that got me to care about Marvel's cosmic stuff in the first place some 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Think about that. That's how long ago that was. Oh. And it's Annihilation is what got me to care about the cosmic stuff again. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you. And I hope it's Donnie Cates. The only other person I would allow it to be is if, like, uh, Salty Keith did a run-in oh. to, to write the, the, the at least the prelude. I'd be fine with that. Uh-huh. But Donnie Cates is – I prefer Donnie Cates' cosmic stuff to his Venom stuff all, all day long. Oh, boy. You know, I tell you, the – I really like the Venom stuff, but I think I have a little bit more of, a, of an affinity for Venom than you do, since he's Spider-Man adjacent. Right, and Thanos for me was like, uh, to me, he wrote, he's the only guy who's maybe wrote, uh, wrote or written, I don't know how you say that, uh, a Thanos story better than Jim Starlin. Roten is how you say it. Right. Uh, but So yeah, Donny Cates had the unenviable task of following that really good Jeff Lemire mm. Thanos book. And Donny Cates came in, knocked out of the park. That rolled into the Cosmic Ghost Rider stuff. That rolled into the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. It was like boom, boom, boom. Really hot stuff with Donny Cates and the Cosmic stuff. But I really like his Venom stuff. There's, I don't feel as though he's got one, for one stronger than the other of what I enjoy more. But he's got two back-to-back events, allegedly, at Marvel. You know, the Carnage stuff starts in like two weeks. You know, we've got a bunch of preload stuff coming out this week and last. Mm-hmm. And then after the Carnage stuff is done, we roll right into whatever the cosmic thing is going to be. Which, in my mind, would be symbiotes fight the galaxy. And that's and Bendis already did that when we discovered that there was like a whole planet of symbiotes. Right. So now, we'll one see. thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, we'll see. That's all I'm saying. And I was going to say one thing that I know you're excited about is Nick Spencer helming the return of 2099. We might get another Doom book. And I would love to see a Doom, Doom 2099 crossover. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. What? Double your Doom? 
<laughs> that would be that would be the catchphrase. Doom crosses over with Doom twenty nine. Double your doom. That's so like sixties Marvel right there. Well, you know, I like the teaser image that they did where it said eighty years ago is nineteen thirty nine, which is you know technically when what Superman Batman came out, right? Um, I, maybe I think Marvel Comics number one with the original Human Torch or whatever, and then it says eighty years from now it'll be. 2099, and I know uh, Spidey 2099 had a little cameo in a recent issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Nick Spencer's supposed to be involved in this. I just hope they bring Ravage back. That's all I care about. And one of our listeners, I'm sad to say that I that I missed it, his, his name, was like, what if they do a countdown, like negative issues, to like whatever 2099 number one? And it's like, you know like 893 negative 893 till it get till it counts down i'd be like i'd read that we're already working on what uh iron man 2020 so it's a bad thing to date your books (laughs) it's it's one thing to call your shot it's another thing to call your shot 80 years in advance Mm, i guess you got the prep work you got the time yes so uh, hang on, I'm just trying to look to see who this was that was uh, talking to you about your 2099 nonsense on the old Twitter. Uh, it was Zad underscore one on Twitter. Yes. Where he had said that uh, that this should be a prequel that's out 80 years early. And he said that if they started by numbering at issue negative 960, the number one would be out in 2099. How great would that be? Right, and he said that number is not a hard number because that doesn't take into account delays, double shipping, or random hiatuses that may occur uh, if there's a crackdown in the 2050s because comics are contributing to juvenile delinquentism in space. Right, but then anything they mess up, they could just fudge the numbers when it's 2099, the legacy numbering. Uh Uh-huh. You're all good. So, the other uh, bits of news uh, from some other publishers, Image is finally, you know, we discussed it here on the show, it was kind of a book that was under my radar at least, Uh, Todd had me check out the then-titled Dead Rabbit from Jerry Dugan and John McRae, I read it, I really enjoyed the first two issues, but then wouldn't you know who won the pony, it (laughs) turns out that uh, the name Dead Rabbit was copywritten, uh, in relation to a bar in New York City who were publishing a menu for the restaurant in the form of a comic book under the same name. And boy, howdy, you know, they didn't yes. like that. So <laughs> they're going to, as you would say always, boy, howdy, um, they're going to rename uh, the book. And I'm, you know, what is it, Dead Eyes? It's now called Dead Eyes. They've uh, changed some of the... Uh, the nomenclature and some of the logos to look less rabbit-esque. And it looks as though they're going to do like an oversized number one under the new title, collecting issues one and two, and then roll right into issue three, I think, in the same month. Right. So you enjoyed this book. I know I really liked it. Yeah, I, I, are, it was a pleasant surprise. Are you coming back to it when it comes back? Yeah, absolutely. It'll probably go on the pull list. Right. So now my question to you is, just now that I have that fact, is are you going to buy that Dead Eyes 1 and 2 issue 
because now you have, or are you just going to go like, ah, in my mind, if I ever read dead rabbit, number one and two, I'll change everything to dead eyes in my head. Mm. I think I'll probably buy uh, the reprint that me too. Yes. Yeah. And then the other thing, of course, uh, they announced a, uh, now there was no Kentucky fried chicken, uh, giveaway at San Diego this year. Yes, which breaks my heart. Right. Uh, however, Image, uh, in conjunction with the Skybound imprint, uh, in conjunction with friend of the show Kyle Starks, along with uh, artist Luca Claretti, put out a Adventures of Dr. Pepper book. Ooh, I like Which Dr. tells Pepper. the origin of the, I guess, in the current commercials, I don't know, I don't watch TV that has commercials in it. Right. Of the time-traveling person, Dr. Pepper, who invented the Dr. Pepper soda. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those books that you could got the physical copies, or you can get it digitally off of uh, Dr. Pepper's Instantgram. Probably Comixology would probably have it, too. Let me see. But you never know. Because a lot of that free stuff, you know, seems to, to, to bubble out there, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, he's a doctor who travels through time, bringing refreshment to different eras in time, I guess. Yes, I just like the way that uh, over on Bleeding Cool that they did it, where they talked about it was like a time-traveling doctor who was going to be this big deal, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, time-traveling doctor? Nobody would read a book about that. No, no, they wouldn't. But lo and behold, they did. Now, I don't think it's over at Comixology, but I'll include the link in the show notes. Right. You got to tool around on Dr. Pepper's Instagram (laughs) a little bit to find that information. You know how I feel about tooling around on Instagrams. Yes, I know. But I'll include it here in the show notes for myself. I know those Kentucky Fried Chicken books are hard to find on Comixology, too. I have the links to those in the show notes as well. Right. So good luck with that. (laughs) So I I think there's one little bitty, tiny last bit of news to discuss that they announced at uh, San Diego this past week. What was that, Joe? Uh, And that was uh, phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Todd. Yes. The biggest phase of any phase in the history of phases. Right. Uh, so, you know, they announced a bunch of stuff that we knew was coming to Disney Plus. I'll call it Disney Plus now. I'll pay it its due respect. We knew that we were getting the, um, the Falcon Winter Soldier show. We knew we were getting the, the Loki show, but they announced that they're doing a Wanda and visit, uh, Wanda and Vision show. Right. On the old Disney Plus uh, they're also doing a What If Animated that I think we knew about as well. And they're also doing a Hawkeye uh, show for Disney+. And it's good that these shows on the streaming network are going to have the stars from the movies in them. Uh, Jeremy Renner is going to be in the Hawkeye show, and they're introducing Kate Bishop. Um, who's the uh, Olsen that plays uh, Scarlet Witch? Uh, Elizabeth Olsen. I was going to say Brie. Right. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are going to reprise their roles in Vision. 
Um, what's his face is going to be low key, and then uh, Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie are going to be in the TV show, and I think that lends a lot of credence to these shows, right? By actually having the people from the movies in them, and actually having them be part of the universe. Yes, I do think, and but it is interesting that it's all the younger characters, like mm-hmm. the, the the second waves of stuff like that. But yeah, it does. It it's going to make people want to buy Disney plus or stream, you know, get Disney plus streaming. It's a, it's a stroke of genius. I I have to admit, I'm going to end up watching them all. Absolutely. And they're kind of spaced out a little bit. It looks like they're not going to start airing until sometime in like 2020. I think the first one is scheduled for like 2020. And then maybe, yeah, like most of them look to be like 2021. It looks Mm -hmm. like, uh, on the movie side, it, we have Eternals, which I think we knew about. Yes, I was talking about that before. And there was a lot of talk of who's cast in those sort of things. Uh, Selma Hayek is in it. Angelina Jolie is in it. But we're still like a year plus away from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that they're going to be doing a Shang-Chi movie, which I think I didn't know about. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So it looks like that's going to have some sort of Mandarin tie-in. Yes, because there was a mini, you know how they did the mini movies or episodes that were like, that would come out on the DVDs? Yes. In the, in one of them, the Mandarin from Iron Man 3 was like, he was in jail and he was doing an interview with somebody and they're like, you know, aren't you worried like that, that, that there is a, there, there's rumors of a Mandarin out there? And he's like, yeah, I was playing a, you know, I'm a dumb actor playing. And then the, you find out that, the guy recording them is part of the 10 rings, I guess. And they, the Mandarin kidnaps them. So I'm wondering, and that's the end of it. It's just like, all right, we're establishing that there is a real Mandarin out there. Um, I wonder if that has anything to play with any of this. And it's funny. I don't know if you know, this is because Shang's Chi's father was Fu Manchu in the comics, but in, in they did they only had the rights for Fu Manchu for a little bit because they didn't create them all la like Conan and stuff like that. So now I think they're going to make the Mandarin his pappy because they own the rights to that character. If that makes any sense. Sadly, it does. But uh, so they announced Doctor Strange in Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. which is going to have Scarlet Witch in it. They announced Thor, Love and Thunder, and we'll come back to that one here shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Widow, uh, that one may be getting a little bit fast track. Actually, I, I mentioned Eternals is uh, November 2020. Black Widow is May of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like that one is going to be a prequel, it seems. It would kind of have to be if Scarlet Witch is going to, or uh, Scarlet. Uh... Johansson. Yes. And they also announced that they're going to be doing a Blade movie. Oh, boy, with Wesley Snipes. Mm-hmm. And also at the end of the whole presentation, Kevin Feige got up there and said, you know, with all these announcements, we ran out of time, but we do have X-Men and Fantastic Four stuff in the works, but we don't have time to talk about those today. So every comic book news site in the world says, Fantastic Four movie coming. Right. Sh- dot, 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 someday. And uh, Guardians 3 got kind of bumped off the schedule because of the whole kerfuffle that happened last year with James Gunn. He's currently in production on Suicide Squad 2. So because of those contractual obligations, they had to move Guardians 3 back 
So phase five, at the very least, we know there's going to be some sort of X-Men thing, some sort of Fantastic Four thing, and Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Right. So I don't know about the X-Men and Fantastic Four in what phase. I think he was just throwing it out there that we'll see it. Who knows? Maybe in one of these movies we'll get the characters before, you know, they get a movie. Yeah, yeah. That might be something. Who uh, That would be interesting. But I don't know when we're getting FF. I, my heart can't take it, Joe. <laughs> well, it's going to have to wait a little while, Todd. At least another three years at the very most. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with uh, Thor Love and Thunder, uh, Taika Waititi, who did uh, Thor Ragnarok, is doing this. Uh, obviously, we're getting a little continuation of what we saw at the end of Avengers Endgame. Kind of now that Valkyrie is the all-mother of, of, uh, of... New Asgard. Uh, of Asgard. I almost said Midgard there. But also, they somehow cajoled Natalie Portman to come back. And they already came right out and said that we're going to get female Thor in this movie. Mm-hmm. Joe, you hear this? Beep, 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 beep. That's how they got Natalie Thor. You know what that beeping was? Was that this? Was that the same gold dump truck they used to back up to Robert Downey Jr.'s house with all the money? <laughs> yep, it's a slightly smaller one. They have they have a smaller one for the other actors, but yes, that is the truck that they that they would back up to to Downey's house. So I'm excited about Thor. I enjoyed Thor Ragnarok. I know there's a few people that didn't love Thor Ragnarok, and those people are called wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed them doing something a little bit different with this, but now Thor has kind of gotten a little bit more identity, spinning out of Ragnarok, spinning out of the last two Avengers movies. Now you're getting more of this uh, iteration of Thor. They're not going to have Loki to kind of lean on because Loki's off doing his own thing, at least as far as we know. I'm all for them more closely adapting some of the stories that we got from Jason Aaron, because those have been some of the best comic books, nay, if not best Thor stories, that have been written in the last 10 plus years. And I'm not sold on Natalie Portman's involvement. Why? She's not a reason for me to be excited about this project. She, I, I'm excited for her to come back. One, because I think she's absolutely gorgeous. Two... I think she's a good actress. Okay. Three, I think she's not going to she's not going to be the one in the armor. I think they'll get a big, you know, strong character and she'll swap bodies, you know what I mean? I don't think she's going to be little Natalie Portman swinging the helmet swinging the hammer with the big helmet on her head. Okay. I think Natalie Portman's attractive, sure. I think she's a good actress, sure. She wanted no part of any of the, the involvement in these movies. They had to use like B-roll and repurpose it to get her visage in Avengers Endgame. Currently the highest grossing movie of all time. So I think it was just like, uh, maybe it's time to get back into this. And when they showed that footage of her at San Diego Comic-Con holding the hammer, mm-hmm. she looked like she wanted to be anywhere else in the world. If given the choice, without that dump truck full of money being backed up to the house, if her options were the infamous turlet from train spotting or on stage at Hall H holding that hammer, I think she would have went with the turlet. Don't know what that means, but uh, I think when when she's in the movie, she'll be fine. I think she had a bad experience 
with the directors on the first two movies. Mm. And I think like they cut, like they, they probably wanted to cut her role down. She's like, if I'm going to do this, I'm not just going to show up and be in in the film for, you know, three minutes and move on. And I think that's kind of what they wanted to do. And it's the same thing with, uh, what's her face who was playing Piper or, uh, Pepper. She disappeared for a while. She didn't want to be in the movies because they, you know, it was like, oh, there's no room for me in all of this. Now she's a, now she's going to be the main character. I think that'll all change. Like, at least she'll be professional on screen and, I don't know, act happy. So let's hope for that, okay? I don't know. But that's me. So Not 100% sold. Then you know what? Don't go see the movie, Joe. Stay home. I'll go. Mm-hmm. Under protest. <laughs> All right. So anything else from San Diego? There was a lot that came out of there San Diego. Was. I mean, we could do a whole nother show about San Diego, but I think that'll hold for now. Right. Uh, we do have other conventions. San Diego did not stop conventions from happening. This is a very busy weekend for conventions. Uh, we've got the Springfield Comic Expo. And I don't know why I put Springfield. Oh, it's in Springfield, Missouri. It's very confusing because the URL says St. Louis Comics. Anyway, uh, Mike Zek and Kevin Nolan are going to be there. Uh, The uh, MCM Comic Con in Manchester, like their branding overseas of uh, over in the UK. They have uh, Michael Rooker, John Lehman, and Yannick Paquette. Actually, my nephew, uh, who's stationed over there, went to one of the MCM uh, cons and he got me this real cool uh, Thor coin. So uh, it was a really neat thing. So, again, you don't get to see a lot of the, uh, I think, the exclusives of, like, the these other cons. You know, you get right. to see, like, San Diego has their con- exclusives. New York has their exclusives. You don't get to see a lot of the exclusives of these other ones. So right. be careful you don't put it in the meter accidentally when you go to the comic shop to pick up your book. Oh, no, it's it's pretty big. You know, you probably, like, bang it in there. <laughs> uh-huh. Get in there. Uh, so Wizard World uh, returns to Pittsburgh this weekend. Uh, media guests include Zachary Levi, uh, the franchise Shane Douglas from the world of sports and entertainment, and Tom Dreamer, uh, also a sports entertainer. Mm. Now there's three huge conventions going on this weekend, Todd. Okay. And I don't know where to begin. Did I say three? Two. My apologies. Two big conventions. You're so For- confused. I am very confused. So the first one, London Film and Comic Con in London in jolly old England, right? Right. So from the world of sports and entertainment, we have Rey Mysterio, Vicky Guerrero, and two former 24-7 champions, Kelly Kelly and the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Oh my God. From the world of comics... We've got Paul Cornell, Karen Gillan, Mark Buckingham, John McRae, Simon Bisley, and The Rob. Oh, The Rob, you know, they let him in the country. Now, Todd, if I could sweeten the pot a little bit for you. Mm-hmm. On the media guest side, Colin Baker, right. Sylvester McCoy, and Ooh. Christopher Eccleson. That's a three-doctor special right mm-hmm. there. And, of course, you got a lot of the typical other media guest types. Uh, Jenna Coleman is going to be there. She's someone. She's a companion. Uh, uh, William Shatner is going to be there. Val Kilmer is going to be there. Uh, Billy D. Williams. And uh, I think uh, 
Val Kilmer and Billy D. Williams might have the same agent. Don't quote me on <laughs> that one, though. I'm starting to set puzzle together. Well, they have. Uh, I think they don't want to talk about their upcoming projects. But so, uh, and also, Sensei Lawrence William Zabka will be there. Oh, yeah, this guy again. Some newbies added. Uh, Charlie Sheen is going to be there. Remember Charlie Sheen, Todd? He, he's going to be selling vials of tiger blood. Oh boy, what's the expiration date on those? <laughs> oh, it's, uh, two and a half men ago. Uh, and Brendan Fraser is going to be there. Encino man. Right. Also, the mummy. He was the mummy, right? <laughs> I think he was. Are you my mummy? Uh, also, though, this is just for me. Kane Hodder is going to be there. Mm, I wonder if his uh, cousin Kane Colder is going to be there. No, how dare you. Kane Hodder, uh, uh, superstar stuntman, but also one of the most famous Jasons from the Friday the 13th movies. Mm. And director Ruggiero Diodato is going to be there. Fun story about him. He filmed one of the most notorious horror movies of all time, entitled Cannibal Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one of those things where, like, a movie nerd will say, uh, Blair Witch was the first found footage movie. And it wasn't. Cannibal Holocaust was the first found footage movie. Uh, it was filmed back in 1980, an Italian film. So much so as a found footage movie that an Italian talk show had... Uh, Diodato on as a guest. But it was a scam. It was a sting operation. You see, Todd, when he showed up at the talk show, the police were also waiting there for him to prove that the actors in his movie were actually alive and that he did not kill them as depicted in the film that he released in the theaters. What? So they thought it was a snuff film. Yes. And they can't do this for Polanski? Come on. (laughs) It was a different time. He was in his native country of Italy, and you can't judge. Right. But the other big convention, a little bit closer to home, Todd, Mm -hmm. uh, is the GalaxyCon in Raleigh, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sports entertainment side, Todd, of course. We're starting there, of course. (laughs) Uh, Great at Twitter, Seth Rollins. Actually great on Twitter, Becky Lynch. Uh, Bronny Strowman is going to be there. The Hardy Boys are going to be there. Hopefully at least one will be there. Uh, Arn Anderson will be there. Magnum Ta will be there. Mick Foley will be there. As will Ric Flair and his granddaughter. Oh, uh, cartwheels for everybody. Uh, On the media guest side, we've got Richard Dean Anderson. (laughs) Jason Mewes. Brian O'Halloran. Uh... George Takei, Daphne Zuniga coming out of retirement. Who's uh, Daphne Zuniga? Daphne Zuniga was Princess Vespa from Spaceballs, amongst oh my, many other roles. My goodness. Yes. Uh, but there's also a big Rocky Horror Picture Show thing uh, where Barry Boswick, uh, Patricia Quinn, Nell Campbell, Meatloaf, and Tim Curry are going to be there. It makes me feel good seeing Tim Curry going out and doing so many uh, conventions. He had had some health scares maybe yep. about a year or so ago. Even and further back. Yeah, and he's been kind of hot and heavy on the convention circuit, so that makes me feel good. Um, also, at the media guest end of things, David Tennant is going to be there, if I didn't mention that. Mm, purple man. Uh, Rob Schneider and Pauly Shore are going to be at this convention. Oh, the weasel and the male gigolo? Oh, my God. 
Uh, also on the media guest side is Dino Stamatopoulos. Now you're going to say, I don't know who that is. That's the Flintstones dog. No. Dino Stamatopoulos uh, is Starburns from Community. That's probably where most people would know him from. Mm -hmm. Dino Stamatopoulos is also a maniac. If you're going to GalaxyCon in Raleigh, North Carolina, and you want to have a good time, I don't know if you could see me winking into the microphone, Mm -hmm. uh, go find Dino Stamatopoulos. I'm sure you'll have a blast. I I'll take your word for it. I'll, well, maybe we'll talk off air. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but comic book people are going to be there as well. Todd, Ron Lynn, Ed McGinnis, Steve McNiven, Dan Slott, making a rare comic book convention appearance. Peter David, Raphael Albuquerque, Neil Adams, JMD Mateus, and Salty Keith. Oh my goodness. So, that London con with the Rob crossing international waters is one thing. And not one, not two, but three doctors. I'm going to GalaxyCon in Raleigh, North Carolina. Just to see Salty Keith? Is that what yeah. it is? You got Salty Keith. You got all those world wrestling entertainers. Listen, Ric Flair and Dino Stamatopoulos are going to be in the same building at the same time. Mm-hmm. Just to give you a little maybe hint. I hope they get a. I, I hope those two people's paths cross. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I think they, you know, their lines might cross over each other. Oh, their lines might cross over each other. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. They might bump into each other. Now, I oh, so I do want to say this, just as a follow up on some conventions from a few weeks ago. I meant to do this uh, two weeks ago, but then we had some more convention follow up news. Uh, there was a fanboy expo in the North Carolina area last weekend that Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express were supposed to be at. Keyword being supposed to be at. Jim Cornette may have devoted about a half hour of his podcast this past week with some none too kind words for the organizers of that convention. Oh boy. And then two weeks ago, there was that convention in Syracuse. Where uh, I think Mark Wade was there, but then on the media guest side of things, it was like the Rock and Roll Express, Marty Jannetty, and Dwight Gooden. Oh, boy. And I said, if this was 1986, that'd be a party. Yep. Well, apparently with his recent DUI arrest for possession of cocaine with Dwight Gooden, apparently it was a party in 2019. Oh, my God. So just some follow-ups on some... uh, some goings-on at the convention circuits this weekend. So when we do this segment on the show and you're thinking, ah, that convention's close to me. Ah, I don't know if I have time to go. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe take the trip to Galaxy Cub this weekend. I, I can see some, some just, you know, look in some stairwells. You might find some people. I don't know. That's right. Or, or listen to the police blotter. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know. See if live PD is going to be in the in the Raleigh area that weekend. <laughs> Let me get out my, uh, what do they call that? The police scanner? Scanner. So, of course, the links to all these conventions and more will be in the show notes for the show. And, of course, will be a link to the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com at soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com where anytime this show or any of our friends, like-minded individuals and so forth, go up, have a show, they appear at another show and they remind me, it goes up on the site, whether it be episodes of this show Episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, 
And this week we're discussing both the series finale of Hill Street Blues and the pilot episode of Beverly Hills uh, Bunts. I almost said Blunts, Bunts. <laughs> and we also may uh, have an in-depth discussion about some of the uh, uh, more popular Yelp reviews of some of adult establishments in the greater northeastern Pennsylvania area. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Puzzle Warriors 3, we have Profane Arguments, and new to the network, Todd, is Final Wrestling Place. Okay. Uh, my friends Marcus and Tim do a podcast about professional wrestling where they take a theme for a month and look at a series of shows or events or people or things. It's the summer, so they're doing bashes, Great American Bash, the gra- the bash, those sort of things, uh, of varying qualities of shows, and they decide whether the show gets put in the good place or the bad place. Uh, I've been enjoying their show quite a bit, and the way that you get on the network is you have a podcast that comes out on some sort of regular basis, and you ask me, hey, could we be on the network? And I say, sure, and I put you on the network. It's so just what- that simple. Let me get this straight. If I have their gimmick down, they review shows and they say if they go to the good place or the bad place, and then that's their final wrestling place. That's correct. I like all of that for right. like the implications of the terrible title. So that's good. Right. I am down with that. In like a pun, that would be right up your alley. Right. Good job, boys. And there's a bunch of digital sales and freebies, of course. A lot of stuff held over from last week. You know, they announced a bunch of stuff for San Diego, and it's all rolling out to the end of this month. Uh, Dynamite, Oni Press, Marvel, IDW, Image, uh, are all and Valiant are all having sales. And then they have separate sales where IDW has their main sale, and then they have a Transformer sale. And Dynamite is having their sale, and then they're having their separate sale for the boys. Um, and then, of course, the DC Sandman Universe sale is going on until the end of the month. So, like I said, a lot of these are ending either end of this week or end of this month. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for there. Uh, the same new freebies that we discussed last week are up on the site. And I'll, of course, add to the links that Dr. Pepper book. Kind of like a catch-all to all those books. If you missed out on those uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken ones that we had talked about before, those are in the show notes here as well. They still haven't put up this year's free comic book day books, which is very odd, but that's a, that's a, that's a query for another day, my friend. Mm-hmm. So Todd, let's get into books that we read from this past week. Where would you like to begin? Let's start with city of Bane, uh, Batman 75, uh, the first issue of that storyline. The book that's by- going to change Batman forever. Yes, I don't, I, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Written by Tom King and art by Tony Daniel. Uh, this story takes place after uh, Bruce Wayne and his father from Flashpoint have duked it out uh, trying to revive their uh, Bruce's mother at a, a Lazarus pit that Bruce, uh, you know, outdid his father and ended up fighting him and got away where now we find out that Bruce has left and gone to see, I'm guessing to see his old sensei who taught him how to fight. I'm not sure he's going to like an old monastery up on the mountain. Well, we go back to Gotham and Gotham is like a weird situation where the Riddler and the Joker are detectives and everything. And we slowly find out that uh flashpoint Batman is running it 
running all of Gotham and how he has it sealed down and nobody's going to come in to fix it for reasons. And we find out how he's ended up controlling everybody. Um, I really, you know, I'm enjoying the story, Tom King. I, I, I like what they kind of done and how they explain it, but he keeps saying like stuff that's going to change Batman forever. As of right now, Nothing in here is changing forever other than maybe the cameo that shows up at the end explaining maybe where the the Bat character is going to go. I don't know. I enjoyed it, but at this point, I'm done on the, the... I'm changing Batman forever at this point because I don't know when it's happened, where it's happening. Is this the beginning of it? Did it happen in here? And I completely missed it. I don't know. So I enjoy it, but Tom King, I think, sold me a bill of goods on this issue. I'm waiting for someone at DC or Tom King himself to come out and say that this storyline is going to be hush done right. Ooh, that would be good. I like the idea of certain villains being on Batman's side. You know, you mentioned like Hugo Strange is the commissioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of stuff. We see that there's uh, Gotham Girl is Robin. Right, the ventriloquist is Alfred to Flashpoint Batman. Right, but then actual Alfred is there and he knows, he seems to know what's going on. Right. He, he's the key to keep to keeping, I think, everybody out of Gotham somehow. Mm-hmm. That's what it's implied, maybe? So there's a good mystery that's been set up here. I like where this could be going, but for them to say that this is you know, where everything changed about Batman forever. We've been here many times before, and I ain't baking no cake this time. What? Well, I hear rumors you can get a receipt for that cake. But anyway, uh, I'm with you. I don't know. I, I, I'm i still in on the story. I just hate when uh, writers embellish or write checks that, you know, the story just can't cash. Because nobody's going to write a story that's going to gonna change the multi-million dollar icon at a company forever. It's like, oh, let's just, you know, the thing that's making money, let's completely, you know, revamp that. It's not going to happen. But I'm right. Enjoying, sorry. It's good, though. Um, yes. Right, and I think they're doing themselves a disservice by pre-hyping it up. Mm-hmm. And it definitely is the continuation of all the stuff that Tom King has been building since he came on the book, all the way back to issue one. So if you've been with the book, it feels as though you're getting this complete story. But I can't imagine someone picking this up for the first time in the run and caring or understanding everything that's going on. Which may be the problem that the upper ups have with Tom King doing the book is we are 75 issues in and Batman, you can't get new readers on Batman. So if you lose any readers on Batman, the numbers are going down. I'm not saying the numbers are bad, but do you know what I mean? It's like, you're not going to get, you're, you're not going to bolster this book by like, Hey, get on board now with, you know, 10 issues left to the storyline. It's like, no, I got to read the first 75. I'll wait for it in trade now. So you get a new writer. And as I, I always keep saying, then you you're, you have the, the, the road to 100, which, you know, DC wants it. We're at this point. I don't think they're renumbering. They want their big 999 Batman 100 with every, every creator under the sun. Right. So. 
But I don't know yeah. if you know if you've been hanging in there this long, you're you're here. You're here for the ride. You know, uh, right. you're not getting off at this point. I guess is the better way to say. it. I really would be shocked if anybody's going to get off this storyline with ten issues to go in Batman ish. I know it. I'm not really 100 percent sure. And there's an annual coming out too. But I could see people jumping off going into the Batman and Catwoman, but not here. If you're you have a couple issues left. So, uh, speaking of books, not as long-running currently as Batman, but um, I wouldn't say equally unreader-friendly, but Immortal Hulk number 21, written by Al Ewing, uh, different artist on this one, I'm sure trying to get things out on a normal uh, schedule, Ryan Bodenheim. This is more so the origin story of General 14. Mm-hmm. I think General 14 is someone who's we've seen behind the scenes, not only in this book, but also maybe in some Hulk books. And this is just his road to becoming the new abomination. Right. And this is him kind of fitting himself into the decision to dedicate his life to bring down not just the Hulk, but all gamma irrated, irradiated folks. We get to see some instances of him doing so, and we get to see how his relationship with Thunderbolt Ross has kind of affected that. Right. We this, basically, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I would say basically how he weaves in and out of Hulk's history for like the better part of his, since his creation, yes. it looks like. So, not a first new reader friendly book, but you certainly get a complete story in this. Mm-hmm. I think if you pick this up as your first book, and Immortal Hulk is a very hot book right now, uh, consistently one of the best-selling books at Marvel. That's not like an event book or a new number one or what have you. Uh, I would say, though, sadly, not having the regular artist on this book could hurt this issue because it's so different than the normal art in the book. Not bad, different. I completely agree, and it's not bad, but let's just say Ed Bennis has brought a vibe, a look, a feel to this book. So getting, even if it was better, like, than Bennis, it's different. And I've equated Al Ewing and Bennis to this book, if that makes any sense. This This is their book. This is his writing. Uh, the artist's vision, it all comes together. And when you throw somebody else in there, it's like, something's not right. It's still good, but it's not what, it's not what I expect. If that makes any sense. I, it, it, the taste is a little off. I, I, I don't know. It's not bad, but it's, it doesn't work for me. Cause I want the regular artist back ASAP. And this is a book that we've discussed before where it seems as though it comes out all the time. Mm-hmm. So they've built up a little bit of a buffer on this. So if Ed Bennis needed an extra week or two or even a month, you know, I think they could have had it built into the schedule to have him do this issue as well. Unless there's something with all these crossovers, he's got to get it done beforehand. 
Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, I, that's the one thing I hate is the, the the that comics have become a business, Joe. All joking aside, it's to get a story done by a certain time. Sometimes you have to rush it, or the opposite being sometimes you have to put your story in a holding pattern to to wait until the big event's over so you can finish finish the book. And I maybe feel that that's kind of what's going on with here is whatever's coming next at Marvel, they want. Uh, immortal hulk to be done before that yeah yeah so. don't let that take away from the book the book is still great uh this is more of the same if you've been reading it it's just this is one of those few books and like we joke all the time how civil war going all the way back when was delayed and they come out and say it's like well this is going to be on people's shelves like Watchmen, so we wanted steve mcniven to draw every issue and he can't draw because he has a sore throat <laughs> which was the legitimate excuse for why he couldn't do the issue that's a little pompous, maybe to say ahead of ahead of things, where I can't see uh, Paul Ewing or uh, Al Ewing or uh, Ed Bennett or yeah coming out and saying, yeah, you know, we had a delay of the book because you know this is the new Watchmen, so everybody wants the same artist and writer on everything. I'm saying that, <laughs> right? And Todd's kind of agreeing with me. I am. Who was the writer on J or the artist on Jason Aaron's Hulk? Remember that started out. Was it Silvestri? Yes. And I believe Silvestri said I broke my foot and I can't draw. That's another up there really good excuse. Or I hurt my foot and I, I can't draw. Now, unless he has one of those newfangled standing desks, <laughs> oh, I'll give him a pass. He probably had one of them bloated foot exemptions. Mm, no, that's just me. That's true. And I can't find my special ice pack, so it's been a rough couple days. Oh, no. Somebody rearranged things and hid stuff on me. Uh, the ghost? Yeah, write that down, too, so we can talk about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's what we read <laughs> from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, sometimes earlier, maybe next week, not at all, uh, <laughs> we put up a full post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out, be prepared for what books are uh, coming out. Now, I think uh, with only about five months left in the year, I don't feel too confident on me catching up with what Todd and I attempt to do. Guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week? Todd has a rich lead of six correct guesses over me. But, uh, you know, never give up. Never surrender. That's what uh, Sensei Lawrence taught me mm -hmm. in my time over my dojo. Oh, you and your Sensei Lori or whatever his name is, Peter Lori. But so since you started, I am. I'm looking over your list right now. That web of venom funeral pyre. That's Colin Bunn, right? Yes, but okay, it is key okay. to the uh, venom and carnage stuff. Okay. Um, is the book you're looking forward to most... <sighs> this is a tough week. Uh-huh. Is it Amazing Spider-Man number 26? It is not. That's what... Uh, is it Valkyrie? It's Valkyrie. Okay. So, looking at your list, uh, it's definitely not Batman Cursed the White Knight, because no one's looking forward to that. No, especially one terrible cover on that book. Mm -hmm. I know it's not House of X, because nobody's looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. 
Could the book you're looking forward to coming out this week be History of the Marvel Universe number one? It is not. Okay. It is also Jane Foster Valkyrie. There you go. Because of Al Ewing on Hulk and a yep. little bit of Jason Aaron. You you merge those teams. I'm looking I want to see what you're doing on that book. Uh, is it Jason Aaron sprinkling his dust on Al Ewing or Al Ewing sprinkling his dust on Jason Aaron? I like to think they both hit the ground and made dust, and then their dust came together mutually. Little mutual dust, if you will. <laughs> is that a call back to the Dino Stamatopoulos Ric Flair thing from before? Uh, it's written down next to Ice Pack. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, while you're over at LongboxHeroes.com, of course, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done here in the past, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, the 2017 smash sensation Todd and Joe have issues. You can also check out our store where you could purchase shirts and stickers and pins with our fancy logo on them and if you want even more you can go check out our t public store which has shirts and designs for the soon to be named network uh at odds with wrestling and of course the long box heroes logo in color uh if you also want to help us out you can check out our patreon a dollar a month gets you access to the show that todd and i did with our good buddy dj back some nine ten years ago discussing comic books five dollars a month will get you early access to the after dark episodes and this week since i'm going on vacation might get you some early access to next week's show as well uh so that's a little bit to tease the pot if you want to up your pledge to five dollars and if you don't that's cool too because you guys help us out just by listening telling a friend um you know getting a lot more interaction with folks both privately and publicly regarding the show but of course yet another way that you can help us out of course is making any and all of your purchases through the amazon click through i know back to school is coming soon and we've had some interesting purchases over the last week through the amazon click through we had someone purchase and i'm guessing maybe the same person uh purchase the uh marvel funko pop of groot like a christmas tree the Funko Pop of Megavolt, who's one of the villains from Darkwing Duck, and the Red Coat Scrooge McDuck uh, Funko Pop. Somebody also purchased something called Professional Wrestling Fujiwara Gumi DVD set, and uh, thank you for that, Drew. Uh, somebody purchased a Cuisinart Chef Classic Nonstick Skillet. Uh, somebody also picked purchased a Valor Fitness Dip Handle Accessory Set. Mm. Uh, somebody also purchased a Transformers Toy Generation War for Cybertron Starscream action figure. And uh, Starscream, the best Transformer of all time, Autobot or Decepticon notwithstanding. I agree. Uh, somebody also purchased a Roku Ultra HD 4K with the fancy headphones that come with it. Uh, somebody also purchased uh, Volume 3 of the aforementioned vol uh, Immortal Hulk, entitled Hulk in Hell. Uh, somebody purchased the Baby Metal uh, baseball hat. I don't know if you're aware of Baby Metal. I've heard some things, but I'm not, I don't know. Yes, uh, it's apparently like, uh, it's Kids Bop, but it's not Kids Bop. They take like metal songs and kind of like kidify them a bit mm -hmm. for like the younger folks. My kid missed, like, the window of it happening. <sighs> Too bad. Yes. Uh, somebody tore up. Yes, somebody also purchased an Acer Nitro 50 desktop computer with the protection plan. Ooh. And 
thank you very much for that purchase. That's right. I hope you may your computer be protected. That's all mm-hmm. I'm going to say. And uh, somebody also purchased a box of blueberry Kellogg Pop Tarts, the second best Pop Tart in the world. And I'll say this: I may have mentioned this on the show before. I've never had a Pop Tart in my life. Oh, what are you a toaster strudel man? Nope. Uh, I've never been a toaster strudel man as well. I'm not a fan. Uh, something about uh, Pop-Tarts seem uh, fake, phony fraud to me. Mm-hmm. And most toters, toaster strudels are some sort of thing that have fruit inside of them. And I'm not a fruit dessert type person. Right. So you're not a please pass the toasted pastry kind of guy? No, absolutely not. There's a great joke there. But uh, uh, Also, I just want to know, because I went over that list, somebody bought a no-stick skillet pan. Yes. Do they make extra stick skillet pans? Because <laughs> I want to know. I just want to know if I can get one that the food, you know, you, you really can't get off. Uh, I think if you go to like a yard sale or a thrift store, you could buy like an old cast iron skillet that doesn't have any sort of, what are they, they don't, like, they don't uh, you have to prep the pan. Yep. And all yeah. the nooks and crannies hold that extra food in there. Yeah, but no, like, when you get, like, a fancy, like, skillet, you have to, like, put some sort of oil on it and let it sit in and rub it and all this other stuff. Uh, it's like a baseball mitt. Got it. Uh-huh. It's something. hmm But thank you, everyone, for all of the purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week. Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. Your boy, that you you know, your Ocean's Eleven house, T-Bolt 712, he wrote in, Hey, Todd's Art Attack, I wanted to share my commission of Big Barda from Mitch Gerads. The tone paper really makes the markers and the white pencils pop. I love it, exclamation point. Um, I really enjoyed this piece. Uh, I I was almost offered this piece to buy when he didn't know how it was going to turn out because there's a whole story behind this that I won't tell. Um, but he wasn't sure how it was going to be because I think he wanted a, uh, a, a cover, a sketch cover or something like that. But they ended up sending him on the piece of paper. There's a whole rigmarole with it, but when he got it, he absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, and that was before Mitch decided that was before Mitch won an Eisner and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the price was a little bit lower than it is now, Joe. <laughs> I was going to so. say, that's a beautiful looking piece. I like mm-hmm. the, as uh, T-Bolt 712 mentions about doing the different paper, the markers, the white pencil. I like Mitch's signature where it's the two exclamation points. I wonder if he has like a signature tier list, like uh, some of the best artists of our time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's one I'll steal for you, Todd. Oh, good. I wonder if Mitch now has, like, exclamation point, and for extra money, Eisner Award-winning artist. Mm. I'd pay the extra for that on there. Gotcha. But that was the only one. And I think that's the end of the main show before we get into a little bit of TV talk from this past week. Yes, I think that is all we have left is TV talk. All right. So, thank you, everyone, for listening to the main part of the show, episode 460 in the books. And uh, we're going to get into some discussion of the Swamp Thing and the Krypton. If you're not caught up, you don't care, we'll bid you adieu. See you in a week or two. And, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's uh, start with Krypton. Uh, lots of double crossing going on. A uh, lot more uh, building of the relationship with Seg and Brainiac. 
And I'll be honest, Todd, I'm shocked uh, that they decided to keep uh, Light of Dead. I am too, but in a world where uh, Nissa Vex is a clone, I don't think we've seen the last of this actress. Mm. So that's the one thing that... Like, I honestly thought maybe, uh, I can't think of her name, the character who killed, uh, uh, Lyda, uh, only killed her, like, like, did a trick or something. But he, she actually did. And I'm like, ah, oh, but is death permanent when you have, like, this kind of technology and stuff like that? So we'll, we'll see. But I think she's going to pop back up as a clip. Right. We don't know for sure the exact rules of this specific iteration of Superman just yet. Yes. So again, we're you know we're a full episode in, and she's still dead. So, or she... maybe the one that was killed was the clone, and Ooh. Zod kind of knew it and was like, "I'll pretend and send her up there, and this will give me the like." They killed her on TV, and it kind of like Val uh, Seg's grandfather says, "Like you've turned sentiment. Like we've become monsters. What if like Zod uses that as a hey? Like now they're really terrorists." And I've sacrificed my daughter to make Krypton a better place while he's got the, the, you know, the, uh, the clone daughter somewhere else. I think that'd be a, a cool twist. Right. Or not. I like, right I like that idea. Okay. And then, of course, you know, with this uh, episode entitled In Zod We Trust, <laughs> next week's episode is already entitled Zods and Monsters. I think they tease at the end of this episode that Zod is finally making his play after the first two episodes of the season where all of this stuff was going on, where he's trying to unite the entire galaxy under his rule, but, you know, his real means to do this is trying to find Doomsday. We haven't seen Doomsday in, like, three, four episodes, maybe. Right. And we now they're finally... We, we saw him for a second, like, smashing speedsters. Speeders, right, beginning of episode, it. like, three or something. Right. But this next episode of Coming is where they're making that final push for Zod to, or Zod to be going after Doomsday. I'm wondering if like now we might because we have Doomsday Doomsday we might get his origin you know what I mean because we I do think we need to explain uh, Doomsday at some point uh yeah yeah I think that would be a fun thing as like a kind of filler episode right so um you know Krypton's still good you know we're kind of in the like the back third of the season so mm-hmm if you're not on board now, you're, you know, you can catch up eventually. I think these things stream all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I don't think there's a place you can't get it at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, a place that is a little bit tough, uh, one that's a little tougher to get as it's only at one place, which is Swamp Thing over on the DC Universe app, streaming service, whatever it is. Uh, so we left the last episode with Abby returning back to Atlanta and Avery Sutherland being left for dead in the swamp, but not really left for dead. Mm-hmm. So, I did not like, and then, so Avery's having all these hallucinations, he's flashing back to himself as a younger person, and then Alex Swamp Thing finds him and it helps Avery Sutherland. Right. I disagree with that course of action. That helping Avery? Uh, Swamp Thing should have just killed him. There's nothing until, like, Swamp Thing gave Avery the chance to dangle the carrot. What and carrot? make that deal. 
to like, oh, I'm working with this guy and he knows this and he got the sample from Abby and he can cure you and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Swamp Thing falls for it. And then, of course, they get him. They freeze him at the end of the episode. So that's your A plot going on, right? Right. I think Swamp Thing either should have let him die or just killed him. I disagree for story-wise. I get what you're saying, but... I'm I th- mad at Swamp Thing. I think, yes. I think, well, this as a documentary, everything's factual, so I can understand why you would hate Swamp Thing at this point. But my take on it is I think you need them to push the point home that Alec would do anything to be human again for the, the the next logical step in the story. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like he'd be willing to forgive his enemy to have the ability to change back to human form, which is his big dream. And hopefully nothing will smash that. So you know what I'm trying to say without saying it in case people are watching, I'm waiting for the big episode. Hopefully that's going to explain all that. There's a lesson to be learned from all this, Todd. Mm-hmm. A to me lesson. And to me lesson. Oh my goodness. That was terrible. That's terrible. Right. But yeah, so that's the way I look at it. So then you have the B story, which is the investor who showed up uh, last episode while Avery was being taken care of in the swamp. Uh Maria makes the deal with him. He comes back, knows that Abby's been working on whatever it is with Alec Holland. So now he's kind of doing some shadowy operation stuff. He's bringing an off-site facility for uh, Woodrue to work in. But more importantly, we're introduced to the new head of the CDC that Abby works at. Mm -hmm. And I knew who it was just from seeing her hair. It was an Adrian Barbeau bot. Adrian Barbeau bot. <laughs> uh, but I marked out for Adrian Barbeau being in this. Yeah, I kind of knew that she was showing up. So um, I had heard somewhere. So I was like, ah, but yes, it is cool to see the original, the OG Abigail Arcane <laughs> in this. I just hope they're saving Heather Locklear for the finale. Oh, I think she was in episode 12. So oh, sadly, we probably never got here. filmed. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so all these pieces are now coming together. I'm sure they're going to bring Abby back to the swamp. They're going to bring everything together. And as Todd is kind of alluding to from one of the most famous stories in uh, comic book history. Not, yeah, not just one thing history, but comic book history. When uh, we learn what the true fate of Alec Holland is. Mm-hmm. And if they do put that on the small screen, I'm 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 excited for it. Me too. Yes. But all in all, I'm enjoying the series. Still kind of sad that we're not going to get the last three. I'm hoping though, with everything that's going on, that maybe we'll see this this these characters roll into something else because they kind of had a plan. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe we don't have to film in that swamp anymore. We could have Abby and Swamp Thing a part of Justice League Dark or something, but I don't know. Maybe I think we're all we're going to get is these 10 episodes. 
Well, you know, they fought to get uh, Constantine in the greatest TV show of all time, Legends of Tomorrow. I'm hearing things. I'm hearing things about this Crisis crossover that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Well, see, I'm doing my best to avoid anything. I don't want to know nothing until it airs. Well, Joe, there's going to be a crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, come on now. Spoiler. So what do we got left? We got two episodes of this left, I think? Of, yes, of Swamp Thing. So, and then that, right, we got to get the anatomy lesson in. Mm-hmm. We got to get John Constantine showing up. And we got to get uh, Steve Sanders from 90210 in full Blue Devil outfit. <laughs> yes. Full on Blue Devil. Unless, like, with your uh, Stranger Things and stuff, it's like, oh, every episode's like 50 to 54 minutes. Except for the last episode. That's going to be an hour and a half. Enjoy. There you go. Hopefully. And I did. I, I did. Did I? T- did we talk that I finished uh, Stranger Things? Since we, I know we discussed it on After Dark last week. Yeah, no, we didn't discuss that. You finished it. I haven't even started it yet. It's good. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm going to start Alias when I get back from vacation. You mean Jessica Jones? Jessica Jones Alias, yes. I do the same thing. Have you watched the Ed Brubaker, any of the Ed Brubaker show yet? No, no. Maybe I'll do that instead. Ooh, I shouldn't have brought it up. But anyway, yeah. It's on Prime. Yeah, I believe so. Maybe I'll do that instead. Maybe I'm, almost, could... I'm almost whittling down the podcast uh, backlog, which will just get built back up uh, next week because I'm going on vacation. Are you really? Hadn't heard. Yes. Uh, I'll be gone the entire week next week, but there will still be content. Um, we'll have an extra bonus, a uh, little bit different episode of the main show. Um, we'll see what we could do about something for After Dark, maybe kind of, sort of, I don't know, probably not, maybe it'll just be main show and that'll be it, um, pull post, I can kind of get Todd to maybe put something together without a picture, um, but yeah, you know, steps have been taken to make sure there'll be at least some sort of new content next week while I'm away. I know, I just, by the sweat of my brow a little bit. Oh, my God. That's right. I, I made Todd do work for the first time in 460 episodes. Oh, my God. I'm just going to tell you, you made, made me do for, uh, work in the in the last 46 years of this body. <laughs> so, again, next week's episode of the main show is going to be something, like, something a little bit different. Hopefully, you enjoy it. I listened to it today myself, and uh, I enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad because you were my my target audience, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, everyone, thank you very much for listening to episode 460 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week, and then definitely everyone here in two weeks. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. <laughs>